another episode of Freebird, and today uh, we are quite pleased to have Rima Ahmed with us. Rima is joining us from the city of Agra in India, and you guys know it's one of my favorites. Um, Rima, a little let's let's share a little bit about Rima first. Uh, Rima is the co-founder of Candidly, an initiative that talks about gender sexuality abuse and how these manifest in culture through media and she started candidly as a joint venture with her longtime friend amita malhotra who also launched india's first gender neutral clothing line for kids called equality what a fantastic idea reema is a trained comprehensive sexuality educator a writer and intimacy and relationships and sexuality coach. Uh, she's been a two-time TEDx speaker and please do go out, go out there and check out her TED Talks. It's hilarious and it has a lot of good information <laughs> too. Um, and Reema began her journey actually in 2014 as a researcher and trainer on child abuse awareness uh, and prevention for kids and adults. And I personally think that's a really hard thing to do. So kudos to you there. Uh, she's also worked with the Council to Secure Justice in the area of restorative justice and has counseled families uh, that have been dealing with uh, child sexual abuse uh, and survivors therein. And uh, what's also very interesting is she is a poet and her first book on discussing taboo subjects uh, with children um, is actually in the works with Penguin India. So all around fantastic, brave, courageous, and quite vivacious. Thanks, Reema, for being on Freebird. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on Freebird. I'm so excited. This is going to be my first podcast. Yeah, <laughs> and it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. So, yes. um, Reema, I mean, although you are quite the expert at so many things and you've got years of experience in handling relationship issues, today we are not here to actually talk about women. We are here to talk about men. Imagine two women talking about men. I wanted to start by saying that, um, you know, the way a lot of societies are structured today, uh, we have these very strongly defined uh, gender roles and uh, gender identities and you know you just have to look at the social lexicon and you'll have things like boys will be boys girls should wear pink uh, you know girls should take care of their or mothers are the primary caregivers and if you go to Hindi movies there's Mard ka bachcha bano and all of that right so where does all of this actually come from I mean what is the genesis why does it exist in the first place because it sounds so bizarre that we have such defined things. And frankly, as a therapist, I'm sure you've seen it. What challenges does this yeah. society? So, yeah, if you were to go back in time, like thousands and thousands of years. So if you go back in time before we set up uh, ourselves as agricultural societies where a certain piece of land belonged to a family and then more specifically to the man of the family. Before that, uh, human beings were majorly hunter-gatherers. And, you know, when you had a hunter hunting and gathering societies, everything was shared, you know. 
so the work was shared where everybody would go out and hunt and gather and the work within you know wherever people chose to be together in the community was shared relationships were shared in almost all hunting gathering societies you do not find any clear evidence of monogamy of there being any idea of one man being with one woman so there is this idea of shared space shared community people you know could be sexually involved with whoever they wanted to be and the community brought up the children as their own so there there you find there this there's this absolute absence of any uh, defined uh, kind of family structure that comes in with agricultural societies where people start to call a piece of land their own and when you have a piece of land you want to protect it and how do you protect it by naming it yours and then how else do you protect it by making sure it is passed on to your children yeah. and how do you make sure that happens that happens when you are with one woman who produces you know your progeny and it is passed on from father to son to son so that is the basic sort of connection and and how all of this because translates into defined masculine and feminine roles is again a lot of it has to do with ownership of property so when you own property and you own a piece of land and you own a family you are quote unquote the master and to be the master you need to build a certain kind of characteristic and it is with the advent of structured religion that those characteristics become more and more defined that the man is the uh, head of the family that the woman needs to obey that the children need to obey and that the man owns property and the woman is you know and the whole christian and narrative of the woman yeah. being formed out of the rib of the man for the use and pleasure of the man so you see how all of this is all working together across time and culture around the same time everywhere in the world and therefore this strong narrative of man and woman emerges and when the woman is supposed to be gentle and you know nurturing and all of that because that is required now because you have a family that is cooped up in one space so you need somebody in the house and how do you get that you glorify that kind of role of a woman bring her up to you're the mother you're the nurturer you're the you know feminine this that and the other and to you know solidify the image of the man as a owner you build up his image the aggressor the dominant person the the strong person and the the master of it all and everything and as time passes these characteristics you know they grow inwards and they start reflecting in culture and through culture so it is an exchange that is happening at the personal level and at the social cultural level and then it magnifies because it reaches a religious political level so you have the structure from oh. the bottom up and upwards down and all through you know societies which have moved away from pre agriculture uh, you know uh, narratives which had a lot to do with stability with the balance of the feminine and the masculine energy and that being reflected in almost all ancient uh, pre agriculture uh, scripture or lore uh, which is why a lot of societies which still sort of have those traditions will not have very very strongly defined masculine and feminine roles and um, to answer the second part of your question of why it is problematic is that inherently i believe and research also proves that men and women are men and women only 
you know, because they are born with certain body parts. Mm. The whole idea of what it is to be a man does not have uh, anything that is very starkly different from what it is to be a woman in terms of how we attune to behave naturally, which was, you know, how we were before agricultural societies. So it's pretty much the same except for surged certain emotional surges in women, which is again linked to their cycles and all of that. But other than that, we were all created as emotional beings and also as rational beings. It is only the, you know, the very, very um, cultured perspective that defines man as a rational being and a woman as an emotional being. And what that has done to yeah. both men and women is that it has disabled them, completely yeah. cut them off, cut, cut, cut women off from their rational sort of sides, intellectual sides, because when generation after generation you're made to believe that you don't have something, you begin believing it. Yes. When you're not allowed... I I want to quote to you something really funny that happened, which kind of made me think about this uh, for the first time. So we were holidaying in uh, Norway and we were at airport security. And, uh, you know, uh, as you would have in our countries, uh, most Southeast Asian, Middle Eastern countries, the people who were picking the bags off the conveyor belts are mostly men. And here we were waiting for our luggage and all of that. And then I suddenly see these really tall, very blonde, very female women coming and doing all these little masculine tasks. And for me, for a second, it was like, whoa, you're strong. And I thought it's just an aberration, you know, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's just a fluke. Maybe sh- this woman was really strong. And then as we tra- traveled more and more in the Scandinavian countries, realized that their society it's so egalitarian uh, more egalitarian and less patriarchal than our societies and yeah. there the narrative the view of how roles are you know and the kind of mindset that oh men are stronger than women physically or otherwise they would get offended like if you would open the door for the woman she'd be like hello i can do it for myself so you know uh, for me that was the first time i actually chanced upon something like this and thought is it possible that we've got it all wrong? <laughs> we have got it all wrong, really. Because again, those cultures that you're talking about, Scandinavia, Norway, they're not, you know, they're still very much in touch with pre-agriculture narratives of how everybody was doing everything and there was nothing wrong with that. Even if you go back in time to our own culture yeah. and you go back to the villages, you'll see that women do just as much or even more labor than men. This is a very post-church and a, a very westernized, sort of by western, I mean a very British concept of femininity that wherever they went, which was wherever the areas which were colonized have imbibed really, really strongly. Because if you look at our own culture, if you look at places like Kerala or like northeastern states or even the Himachali states, women do just as much work as men. Yeah. And there's no, you know, and women, uh, and men you'll find are often the ones who are seen you know quote-unquote whiling away time or doing other it's the women who are strong is the women who go out and earn money it's the women who have inheritance in their names so it's very interesting how you know the, the, the christian the values of the roman church the orthodox orthodox church created this kind of divide between 
how men are supposed to be and how women are supposed to be. And if you live that life for long enough, you know, for example, for women like us who've been cut off from working outside of our homes because we were brought in, brought up inside the house. Of course, over over you know generations, you lose that physical ability to yeah. withstand harsh conditions, to withstand hard labor. And then you feel like, oh, I can't do this because you know what women can't do because it's not like that. Everywhere you go, and you, even if you go to New Zealand, you know, I went to New Zealand in 2018, yeah. and uh, it is populated by uh, people who came later. But because you were so closely in touch with the Maori culture, and because the land had to be built up, and there were very few resources, so you see these tall, strapping, very hardy women doing everything. It's so, so because that. Because that's how their culture and their society was built up. So everybody does everything. If you go to a farm, you will find women managing farms. You will find women riding horses. You will find women doing everything. Because they had really no other option. That's how it was. And similarly, if you go to, you know, uh, pre-colonized America, everybody was doing everything. So there may have been some roles in terms of who went out to battle. But everybody was trained to do everything. You know, and you know, everybody learned. Yeah, yeah, and you know, Rima, it's it's so interesting because a lot of pop culture books, you know, also kind of created even bigger divides later on. If you're looking at the '90s, and uh, you know, in the promo, I I posted this book with aliens walking around. Um, basically, yeah. it's called "Men Are from Mars." I'm and from I, Mars. Yeah, and I wanted to theme this entire conversation we're having that men are not from Mars. You know, not we're pretty much on the same planet and I really wanted you to maybe even touch upon and speak to what challenges uh, does this firstly gender divide cause in society we'll come a little more into men uh, more specifically but what is that gender divide doing today because we are not breaking bricks and uh, sowing potatoes for sure most of us uh, what the gender divide is continued to do is that you know when uh, the whole system is, is become it becomes a part of your being through generational uh, just like there's generational trauma there's also generational learning so over generations we've learned to be a certain way which is women have learned to be uh, quieter have learned to limit themselves in terms of what they want to do because they've self seen and felt for centuries that this is allowed to us and similarly men have been also pushed outside of the house whether they wanted to or not was a different thing okay? yeah and they've been pushed outside of the house that you go you on you you know on the money and you do this etc so the hunting is still going on but it is only for men for for the hunting space is now the office space where they go out and get to be all aggressive and you know all macho and everything because this is my territory and this is what i do exactly. because you know somewhere along the middle women were so entrenched in the household now that they're trying to get back to what they think that they can do which in pre-agricultural societies everybody was doing everything now there's so, so less space for them and for them to be able to fit in into a man's sort of quote-unquote man's world, they have to let go of a lot of what comes innately to them wow. because they need to fit in because that kind of femininity is not natural in that space. Oh, yeah. Similarly, the house space, in yeah, the house yeah. space, in the family space, that kind of masculinity or macho-ness or involvement of men in raising and rearing children is not natural. What we think is natural and unnatural is actually constructed over 
generations. And so it's not like, yeah, it's not like men can't or that men don't have the ability to. It's just that they've been programmed not to pay attention to the emotional nurturing side because that has been labeled a certain way. Now, if you look at it largely, what it does is it creates this clear demarcation of spaces where, you know, men are welcome in certain spaces and women are welcome in certain spaces. What that does at individual levels is that we find it very, very difficult to pay attention to, to enhance or to involve ourselves in um, many things at the same time, which is what human beings are possible, they can possibly do. They are, you know, we are wired uh, through the way our bodies and minds are formed to be able to be multi-learners and multitaskers and learn a, a variety of skills over, uh, over an extended period of time. But because of this divide, certain skills are now limited to women's experiences and other skills are limited to men's experiences. And what that also does is it brings out changes in behavior which are not necessarily healthy. So, for example, what aggression does to does to men? Why do men have this underlying sense of aggression and not being able to, you know, sort of find more peaceful ways to address issues? Is that over generations they've been taught to believe that if you are gentle and if you have a nuanced approach and if you're soft, you're not man enough. Therefore, you yeah, and therefore you take on this aggressive tone when you get need to get anything done. And that works in the outside world to some extent. It doesn't work in relationships because what that does is, one, the emotional vulnerability that that is at the core of every human being irrespective of their sex is denied to them. And when they don't get that space and that voice to be emotionally vulnerable, to say that I'm feeling sorrow or I'm I'm sad or I'm feeling depressed, uh, it sort of gets gets really, 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 really compacted and comes out as aggression and anger. Wow. So I, I really feel like there is a need to be, to, for that space to be created for men where they can reclaim their vulnerability I without necessarily, yeah, yeah I, without having to separate it from being masculine. Let's, vulnerability let's and masculinity. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, sorry. Let, let's talk a little bit more, maybe like pull that thread a little bit more, uh, Rima. So I love that you're talking about, you're a little Brené Brown, the way you're talking about vulnerability and masculinity. You go, girl. Uh, but, you know, let's talk a little bit about the impacts of what this uh, kind of gender divide has uh, created on men and their roles in society. So, you know, you and I, women of the 21st century, we have seen and we are currently even seeing the advent of female empowerment. I mean, talk about uh, the Me Too movements, what's happened with Harry Weinstein, um, you know, what's happening with us trying to shatter glass ceilings at the workplace, still in progress, but not there. So there's this huge activism, right, which is there and and women are really at the forefront of all of it. And, you know, as an empowered woman myself, I would love to see myself as that. But my question is this, are men being neglected? <laughs> you know, um, uh, what is the yeah, I, um, to this, to the male narrative? Because, you know, um, there there isn't a conversation. I mean, I, I, I'm in a relationship, I'm married, and uh, I don't really hear from Neil 
what the main narrative or what his movement is right and more importantly and what the scary question i have for you is are we raising healthy functional men in society i mean we're not we're really we're not. not because if we were if we were then we'd be paying more attention to what we what are the what is the messaging that we're passing on to our boys and men wow. so um i wouldn't say that men are being neglected but i would say that men are not being included enough in the narrative and why that has happened also has a logical explanation because if you subdue and neglect a larger part of the population over centuries which has been women for them to be able to get like an equal space that has to be that kind of strong movement which started with the suffragette movement and everything in it was about getting the right to vote and owning land and uh, the right to work outside the house but what that has also done to both men and women is that we become very abrasive yeah about uh, we become so abrasive because me, women have also internalized that in order to be out in the world i need to be a certain way and have uh been sort of uh, subconsciously forced to shed a lot of their femininity mm. which has made them very aggressive and like uh, you know people would say it's pushy but i think it's 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 a factor of having to survive in a world which was not ready to welcome them it's a lot the way they were mm. uh, it's it's like you know that if you dress in a pantsuit you're more welcome in a board meeting than if you want to dress in a sari and want to wear piles because then you you know you're not you're really not you know and we've heard stories about that from oh, yeah. women who work in the id sector or work in the business sector all the time or how they look down on if they if they look daisy now similarly with with men i think you know to be able to make room for women who were coming out in droves in droves and droves i mean we enable women to make the leap from the house to the outside world but have we enabled men to be able to accept and be receptive and be aware about the leap that's happening with women so what has happened is men used to owning that space and owning that you know uh the office space or the workspace or the business space suddenly realizing that okay so women can be here too and without a very conscious addressing of of the divide and telling them that you need to be more open or more embracing or more accepting of this change there is huge resistance because they are not prepared for the kind of leap women are making and as more and more that is so brilliant yeah, i just say amazing yeah go on go on okay and as more and more women come in come out working into offices men are threatened because they are not prepared and when they threaten what they do they push but push down even more strongly they become more aggressive they become abusive they uh, and what is the one way that a man can be abusive towards a woman most of it is sexually because that is what is ingrained in us mm. through generations that to overpower a woman you overpower her first sexually therefore sexual harassment sexual abuse in the offices because they're just not ready they're like oh my god what's happening so it's also about this feeling of terror that this is my space and my territory which is now being taken away and i am not ready for this so women were being prepared through the 60s and the 70s to go out but were men being boys and men being prepared through the 60s and the 70s and the 80s to be ready for this kind of woman 
So that is where the divide is. That is where the neglect is. That men and boys were not really prepared to live side by side and to live, you know, cohesively and equally with women who were now different. And for men, it was very sudden. Oh my God, what's happened? Yeah. And you see that in pop culture, reflected in pop culture. You see that reflected in, you know, there's a song by by Honey Singh. पहले तो मुझसे लेती थी सारी चीजें यू नो पहले मुझसे कहती थी अब जाके खुद खरीद लेती है एंड मैन नॉट प्रिपेयर फॉर अ वुमन लाइक दैट शी डजेंट नीड एनीथिंग फ्रॉम मी नाउ देयरफॉर टू गेट हर अटेंशन व्हाट डू आई डू आई यूज पावर यू नो देयर्स दिस व्हेयर डू यू सी जस्ट यू नो दिस थिंग जस्ट अकर्ड टू मी एज यू वर स्पीकिंग बिकॉज़ आई थिंक इट्स सच अ यूनिक वे दैट यू पुट इट यू नो व्हेन वुमेन आर एट द वर्क प्लेस and having spent most of my working life in big corporates you know you would always say that why is this happening and all of all and there's such a big narrative that you know we as women are victims and you know look at all the stuff that we have to deal with and men hitting on us and all of that i never thought to realize that we are actually victims of victims those boys themselves they don't even realize it they don't even know why they're behaving probably in the way they are because no one's actually talked about what you just said the fact that their yeah. claimed spaces are now becoming shared spaces and they just don't know how to behave yeah and also the fact that any change to be sustainable and for any change to be uh, warm there needs to be balance on both sides and i think that is what the feminist movement sort of really missed out on when it when it began <laughs> and when you read about the early feminists they were not anti men they were pro women but the anti men sort of narrative comes in much much later that everything that men were suddenly became uh distasteful and which is what if further created the divide between men and women that men were like became obstinate about no this is the way i am and this is the way i'm going to be and uh you know and becoming more abrasive and more aggressive and all of that which of course didn't work well for them right because that's the image that they're projecting uh more and more in media or in workspaces so of course they'll lose out on a lot of sympathy or empathy and then who's going to care what they feel so over over decades what has happened is that people you know women really don't care about men feel because they've been feeling unheard for so long that they're like we really don't care you know you're getting what you deserve but i feel like now if we want to move ahead and if you want to really create a sort of balance and inclusion in society there needs to be that open welcoming space where men are allowed and they can also talk about what they feel all of this change has done to them because what i hear and this is where you know i wouldn't be able to say this 5 years ago because i have pretty much the same perspective that all men are like that and blah 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 they're all you know it's only when you uh are on the other side of the table as maybe a therapist or a coach and you meet men who are breaking down and when i say break down i don't mean a breakdown that is evident as it is in women i mean outwardly you see them functioning very well they're earning and they're doing everything that needs to be done but when it comes to things like relationships or or commitment you see them terribly afraid because for them that means opening up this vulnerable space which they just not prepared to open because they don't know how to deal with hurt and pain the same way women do because they're just not they they're so afraid of breaking down that they have stopped opening up 
which also reflects again in the popular dating scene. What is the one complaint that most women have? No men are willing to commit. They all want sex and they just all want casual sex. And why is that? And if you put your head to it, you'd know that is why, because men are really afraid of emotion because they've been denied it for so long that they have no understanding of how to deal with it, how to talk about it, how to talk about if they're uncomfortable or sad or depressed. Because that is also, again, not taken seriously. And then again, they get labeled that, why are you crying? Are you crying like a girl? What's your problem? You're crying over a, you're crying over a heartbreak? You're crying over an ex, really? And men make fun of men because they're also products of that same culture. Just the same way, you know, uh, women make fun of women when they sort of, you know, uh, so it, that, that lack of access to vulnerability is happening in both spaces. You know, and I, women think that, and I think I narrated this incident to you, which I'd love to share with everyone here, because sometimes, you know, we can uh, talk about something and, and we don't identify it. We don't, we're not open to seeing it around when it happens around us. So, you know, uh, a year ago when I moved to this uh, city that I now live in, uh, I had joined a meditation group and, uh, you know, as is normal in most yoga classes, most meditation groups, I would find women and their women circles and everyone's there for each other and it's not like sisterhood. But I remember at the time, we were like, okay, let's open the circle to men. And you will not believe it, Rima, we had to drag them to kind of come into the space. That was number one. And maybe two or three exceptionally emotionally aware men would come mostly because they were threatened by their wives. And, <laughs> and then while they were there and they would see like us women being so raw and so open and we would be like, yes, this happened and it made me feel very, very, you know, unheard. They would be looking at us like, what is this language? I mean, they didn't language have, that you're talking about. Yeah, they yeah. didn't have the lexicon. They didn't have the language, the vocabulary to even understand. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, oh my Lord. I mean, how can we ever imagine having sustainable, healthy relationships? Forget married life and all of that. I mean, that's a huge other topic. But even the beginnings of it, if men aren't even able to vocalize what it is that how they feel, how they feel. so um, and how they're not feeling yeah, sorry yeah, yeah. please 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 go ahead so and how that not feeling manifests is that they're so busy uh exploring relationships on the surface you'll find like only one in ten men who's willing to deep dive and talk about how he really feels about a woman because that is threatening because that's like again putting your heart out on a platter which a woman can squish and walk away with and then what do you do because we, over the years, developed the resilience to bounce back. But they haven't. So you see more and more men stuck in a one relationship in the past. that happened some eight, nine years ago and not willing to give another woman a really, you know, uh, a really authentic chance at making something work because they're so afraid. They don't even but want to you're drawing the sketch so, of a lot of our old boyfriends, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, a lot of my old boyfriends, oh, I mean, oh my God, like the last one, I was really interesting guy that I met and so engaging. And I was like, I found my person. Yeah. But again, you know, this whole 
I can't do this emotional stuff and it really makes me very afraid and at least he was you know mature enough to say afraid maybe yeah. because he was well into his 40s and he found that language you know men in their 20s they don't even know how to do that because they they just act out or they'll block you or they do something stupid and irrational which like wait what happened but then i've learned to see that as fear that there's this woman who's ready and i'm not ready and how do i tell her that so tell so me i will just push her and block her and i will not talk to her again imagine so, that yeah so tell me reema i mean do you believe in all the work that you've been doing uh, especially in the last 5 years um that the time has come for the emotional emancipation of men and if so how can we actually create more inclusive conversations where does it begin i mean or are we even there i think it begins in the, it's high, i think it begins and no we're not there yet i don't feel like we're there yet because we see so much of you know gendering happening everywhere and all that sort of gendering has become more and more pronounced uh, childhood uh, and and at the way uh, things are marketed to children that divided is even more pronounced now than it was say 40 years ago so there was no concept of pink and blue 100 years ago that that is only you know a byproduct of marketing and business manipulation where you create a need you create a demand for a certain kind of product because you want those those things to be bought more for example you know the the kinder egg that you see now that comes in pink and blue was only one kind of kinder egg before. it comes in pink and blue oh my god it's wow with specific with specific you know with gender specific toys the pink uh uh egg will have maybe a doll or something or something pinky and you know and the boy egg the blue egg will have some how i know this is i've seen the change in the market with my son growing up so when he was one or two years old there was one kind of kinder egg and now there are two kinds of kinder egg and that is a silent messaging that this generation and you know we didn't have that kind of messaging so we were still pretty much okay for the yeah. generations after that you know that whole messaging around barbies and you know toy trucks and that messaging goes on in media and cartoons and tv shows and movies that kind of messaging is everywhere which is why the divide is deepening and deepening and deepening of you know um you talk to early feminists and they'd say that we it, it all it took was maybe like a conversation or two or three conversations to make men see what 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 we wanted them to see but now the how that conversation became so militant is because you know there was this all of this it became militant it literally did okay it's to the extent that men are now afraid of anybody who calls herself a feminist and when they're afraid again they label and they abuse and they use threats and rape threats i'm not justifying any of it i know that it is not really okay it's definitely not okay but for things to change you have to look at where they began and what are the roots of those things what are the roots of those behavior it is terror it's fear of the unknown it's that you know i don't know what to do with a woman who's smart and sexy and sassy and can earn her own money i just don't because i'm used to a woman who is dependent on me and who gets you know who asks me for stuff no one i can take care of and protect this woman doesn't need my protection so what do i do so i think the change can begin from households where you teach boys you know to be equitable and you you know foster and uh, sort of um, you know oversee communication flows easily across you know gender 
And that inclusivity happens in the playroom, in the schoolroom, in the family, where you don't box your children from the very, very beginning. And you keep away this very um, weird social messaging as much as possible, which is how equality uh, came into being. Because we saw as moms, both me and Amita, and Amita's daughter is a lot younger than my son. And she was like, I don't know what to get my daughter when I go because all I see is this bloody pink. And it is it is a certain kind of pink. It's the fragile and the innocent and the curly and the everything pink. I mean, pink is not even... And I, I saw that how when my son was under five, he was okay wearing pink. He didn't really care. But when he went to school and he sees everyone making uh-huh. fun of him because he's wearing a pink t-shirt. How, you know, I saw that when my son was above, say, five, six, eight, the whole obsession with cars and with guns and with, with you know, wearing a certain kind of color, which has now become black, like 90% of the time, all he wants to wear is black and look very gun metally. I don't know if that's a term, but like he want to look like YouTubers and yeah. with gay, look like gamers because that again is, you know, all based on merchandise. If you go to the bottom of it, it's all about selling us a product. And how do you sell a product? You link it to a certain kind of image. So for men, that image is macho and able to get as many women as possible. Or for women, it's, you know, sexy and swerve and swelled and be able to get as many men as possible. I see. So it's all about it's all about getting into each other's pants, but nobody's <laughs> teaching us how to get get into, you know, how to communicate. Yeah, how to, <laughs> you know, yeah, outside because so Everything has become about getting into each other's pants alone. You look at dating, you look at you know how people meet, how people engage, how people start relationships, things that would happen, say, after communication, after getting to know each other, and then you know, slowly beginning intimacy, it works the other way around now. So and which is also I'm not moralizing, and people are free to do however they want to conduct their relationship. But if you pay attention to the fact that if you're doing something that is so intimate to human nature, which is sex and intimacy. If you're jumping into that without any knowledge of the person, is that really going to be very satisfying to you? And people who come to me, I know it's not. Through my own experience, I know it's not. And they will inevitably tell you that, you know what, I had a really strong emotional connect with that person and the sex was beautiful. Because when you have an emotional connect, The sex also has, you know, there's room for communication. There's room for telling somebody, I don't like this because you're not afraid. Because you're like, you know, you like each other and you say it with this kind of tenderness. Whereas when you meet somebody and jump into bed with them, how do you tell them this is not working? You know, and uh, there are a lot of men and women who can now say things because, you know, our, uh, the, the narrative has now changed that you can ask for what you want and all of that. But I see that happening very, very rarely. I mean, I'm, in, I'm 37 and uh, all of my female friends, they have the same problem that they'll either fake orgasms or, you know, fake things in the bedroom, fake things in relationships and marriages because they don't know how to without causing an uproar. And on the other spectrum is men who call me and tell me, I don't know how to tell my wife that stuff is not working for me. And I feel like she doesn't want sex anymore and I want sex and what's going on. So what he's not understanding is that there's something that he needs to do to get her to open up, but she's not telling him either. So, you know. It's, I, I, I yeah. completely 
no because like I have girlfriends too who are like in different stages of their relationship some some are married some are dating some are single and almost everywhere the narrative is very very one-sided you know and this for me is always very scary I mean I knew Neil way before we got married and thank god because we had kind of had so many conversations along the way that somehow even getting and lucky for me because i mean being indian you know how it goes with the general male yeah. outlook in society and i was always this vocal and but he was okay with that he actually celebrated that but even in our relationship there were moments where you know uh, i would meet possibly doing more of a male oriented or male thought of task and even our families at the time would be like you know uh, you know snake take it easy you know when's the baby coming or you know whatever else because mm-hmm. that's what you're actually yeah. supposed to do i mean you can be this amazing marketer and whatever else but unless you have the child your life is you're not normal i actually was once told you're that not you're not normal yeah yeah you're like and that's another that's another interesting narrative that has been fed to us okay that having a child and creating you know that kind of extension of yourself is essential to human nature and why is that again because more the more people there were there were more you know people to till lands to do labor to work and more people to engage in you know a uh, productive uh, work which would get in more money in the family yeah so you know wanting a child and there have been books written about it and i was reading uh, you know a book about this you know the uh a book called the children we deserve why is it that so many parents end up actively fucking up their kids lives and minds is because they don't really want them they're not really ready they have no idea what it takes to bring up a child they have no idea what it takes to be emotionally responsible physically responsible for another human being they're just doing what is ingrained in their system because that is what they feel is right ki ha ab shaadi ho gayi to ab bacche kar lo but i don't see any couple most couples do not pause and ask themselves are we ready are we able emotionally psychologically and, uh, and financially is it part of do we even want to is it part of our larger life purpose yeah. and i feel like if that does if that need doesn't come as a calling from within you and out of love you will not be able to do justice to a child which is where i mean it's it's crazy how everyone who comes to me 90% problems are in child they go back to childhood they go back to the way they were treated they go back to the pattern they got used to they go back to the talk that they used to and that is not become their self talk and it rings in their heads and limits them or once makes them believe certain things that are not good for them and it's crazy in my own life i've seen the kind of evolution i was about i was able to make was when i was able to successfully shut down the belief systems and the talk and all of the limiting narratives that i was taught growing up in a semi conventional muslim household it's not like my parents meant any harm they don't know any better and that was the narrative that they were used to it's lucky for me that they were able to sort of step out of it because they saw they saw the potential that had you know when they decided to send their daughters out they saw that they could do so many more things and then they you know when they you know saw that if we bring up our boy 
to be more receptive to this idea they understood that he could do so many more things emotionally but even in a household like ours where there was one brother and three you know sisters wow. where we thought that you know bhaiya was very calm down and very like you know able to communicate and help us in the household even in his marriage you know because the your the idea about marriage is again about power in your head and so as as sisters we had to pay attention to what was going on there and help him understand that you know what you you're repeating the same pattern and you would be shocked because you'd be like i thought i wasn't like this i didn't mean it like that and i'm like it's okay you be aware you recognize where where is what coming from and then you step back you make an aware conscious choice that i don't want to be that kind of man who pushes down my wife i want her to flourish or want her, i want to actively support her but there are very few men who can do that without resentment i mean i i firstly thank you so much for sharing that i mean you know i i always say this and possibly freebird the platform is for this i i share pretty openly uh well whatever it is that i have to share in my life and i think it's it's when we talk about these real examples happening with our real family members and we are okay with discussing it that other people are like hey you know it's not that taboo anymore so i appreciate you sharing that thank you very much um and i so hear you because um we all all of us women men have gone through different periods where we know that it is right to do something but maybe because we don't have the emotional bandwidth ultimately that ends up becoming resentment and so if that's happening in a relationship or in a marriage without proper resolution um it's not going to go very far you know and maybe that one of the reasons why we have so many broken families and you know i would even say that uh, in society with the advent i remember in the 90s everyone was talking about you know higher divorce rates and all of that and even during covid for that matter and i feel like you know uh, that's not even the problem you know that 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 exists the problem is that why is it that you know uh, we are not addressing or even able to shift you know these these roles and expectations within relationships so um i don't know yeah. Rima, one one aspect like you you've mentioned is you know looking at children and bringing them up the right way which means that you and i have these conversations and someone listens to it and something goes on in their mind and they understand that they have to be a conscious parent but what about these poor men who are grown adults right now right what is the way forward for them i mean what kind of introspection modalities forums i mean how do we even begin to get them thinking so i, I feel like it is i feel like it has to be a shared process for it to be successful i mean you can't really drag people into conversations what you can do is make whatever space that you creating a hospitable inclusive and send out this very clear messaging that you are welcome for example when we started candidly we we did this series of black blog posts about why were there such so few men in our workshops there was one man in our first workshop and for him to be able to hear so much about uh, assault and uh, you know especially when women are talking about their trauma a lot of it becomes anti men and i completely get it i've been through that phase myself where you tend to generalize and nominalize everything so he got up and left and i called him later and asked him why did you leave so i couldn't i couldn't bear it i couldn't i felt like i was guilty and i said but you weren't but they said that's what i felt like 
So we consciously again then made a choice to change our messaging, our tonality, to uh, go or keep sending out these things on our platforms that this is as much about men as it is about women. It's not just a place where you come and bash men. It is a place where you create dialogue and conversation about things that are problematic, the things that are uncomfortable to talk about. And uh, which then brought in so many more perspectives about men sharing how they felt emotionally abused in relationships, how they felt like their desire to go out and do things in the world was met with resentment from their wives and partners because they understood it as actively taking away time from the family. And why does that happen? Because again, women are not conditioned to own something or to even want to try something for themselves because again, that is not supported by the ecology around them. So it's like so layered and there's so many different pieces to it. But at one level, there's an individual and then at a larger level, there's the ecosystem that surrounds that individual. And how supportive is that ecosystem? So if it's a woman and her ecosystem does not support her owning or living her own dream, of course, she's going to be resentful of her male partner doing that. Absolutely. And then for a man, there's, you know, there's that ecosystem that I can't, you know, for example, if there's somebody who likes to bike, hmm. you know, wants to go off on biking, uh, you know, uh, wherever he wants to go off. And if he doesn't have a partner who understands that urge, who, you know, doesn't take it personally, like you're running away from me, there is going to be that resentment. So to be for two people to be able to live resourcefully, it is important that both of them have the space to live and own their dreams. And how often does that happen? How often does our ecosystem support that, enable that? Because again, there are more expectations from one partner and less from, from the other. And now when I look at, you know, sort of modern upper middle class families, um, I'm going to get so many duties for this. Oh my God. But in in, in like a city like Agra, I see most women not doing much in terms of um, their life or even even when they have the education and they have the wherewithal and they have the money. Uh, you see their men walking and you know, running businesses and everything, but the women are just more focused on living a life that is about how do I look like, what am I wearing? Which parties am I going to? And I'm like, you're intelligent and you can do so much more and you're outsourcing even your children's education to tuition teachers. So what are, what are you really doing? What's your focus? And then these women come and say, I feel depressed and anxious and I don't know what to do. Even when I have X, Y, Z, it's because you have nothing of your own. Yeah. I mean, so you see, and, yeah. eternal man and man, well, womankind, mankind, it's human beings that tell eternal quest to have a life of meaning and purpose. So I completely hear yeah. you. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think without, you know, even saying it's men to blame or women to blame, if we are not living a life of purpose and communication mostly of that which sets our soul on fire, then we're already like laying the ground for... Um, you know everything to break yeah yeah. everything to break down like everything to break down and i've seen that happening in my own uh, in in my own family and sometimes women actively sabotage themselves believing these structures we've been made to believe that you know the house is more important families are more important like my mom all throughout growing up years was a very active gynecologist we hardly saw her maybe resented it at that time that she was hardly present but it made us respect her so much more that she 
was active and she was an earner and then that enabled that kind of confidence in us to go out and want to do things and also to be very very independent like we grew up independent we didn't need our mom for like 9% of the stuff we were doing yeah. but when she stopped working when she fell ill and she stopped working my dad wanted her to not stop working he would actively poke that you know what you need to keep working you're a surgeon you need to keep working you're a surgeon and you can't just you know lay your skills down like that but the messaging around her yeah. from her sisters and her family was what ho gaya you spend all your life doing this blah 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 you haven't looked after your children you haven't looked after your husband your house is run by maids and all of that you need to apne shohar ka khayal karo apne bachcho ka khayal karo but by doing that she lost a huge part of herself where she is now unhappy doing even this so it's you know it's really sad how women also do that to themselves because this was not a family that was anti any kind of idea and even today my dad goes back and says i wish your mother hadn't stopped going uh because at that point you know her life just disintegrated and now she has no sense of purpose or wanting to do anything more and it's yet 70s how do you change someone you can't so you just accept it and live with it but it is sad and i see that happening uh, in so many places i mean that happened with me when i got married i was hardly 21 and i believed in that whole story of giving up everything for love and you know just trying and trying and trying for love and uh, just you know uh, even if it was love was a brick wall you were breaking your head against but you get trying and you keep trying until you broke all of yourself and you came to your senses and this is not and then you step back and then you rebuild yourself all over again because that we had clearly not worked so and where does the story come from again culture media all of these you know ideas about love being the the thing that you sacrifice everything for love is something that you build yourself up for not yeah. sacrifice everything So it's 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 interesting how there are so many strands to this and so many areas to explore and I feel like so much can be achieved if we just create non-judgmental spaces where there is not this idea of you know or the feminazi and the anti-man or the man men always do this and men always do that because no they don't always do this or do that when you see successful enterprising women you will see a whole host of men around them absolutely absolutely and who are those men then yeah yeah absolutely i i so agree with uh, what you're saying and you know it was uh, another really close guy friend of mine who had pointed this out to me that snay uh, your not that you can't be courageous yourself but the fact that you don't think twice or maybe you are able to kind of put your voice out there is also because you have a man standing by you who's not really who's saying go be who you have to be you know so uh there there are those men as well uh rima if we had to kind of uh give away something for the men who are uh tuning into this uh freebird episode maybe some maybe two or three really easy tools maybe something that they could start thinking about yeah. uh, i i don't know because yeah, i would so, want them to walk away with something you know would that can can yeah, so would i so would i so would i i would really really uh, you know love for them to you know take away something of value uh, from this so the first thing i say is if there is any residual trauma in the relationships that you want to create or even if it's just about being who you are 
take care of that you know go see somebody who's who's good at this this sort of work so that you are at least able to breathe free because the the number of men that i talk to and the one feeling that it because a lot of my work is to do with the body and not just the mind so they describe things like i feel tightened you know like a coil is tight inside me and if you unpeel it and then you unpeel it and you see men breaking down and crying and that is okay too so allow yourself give yourself permission to go to a place of emotional vulnerability and seek healing actively seek healing because for you to be able to be happy and to be you know to embrace everything that is in you that healing needs to happen that's one the second thing is try and be open with communication in every relationship that you're in that okay i don't understand what this means can you tell me how you're feeling or where does this come from anger or this i've seen men or labeling women a lot that ah they're always in this this they're always that pucho to sahi what's going on you know ask that question instead of just joking about it because you've been trained to joke about it always you've been trained to put down women by joking about it stop doing that and sit down and ask your wives your girlfriends your mothers your sisters what is going on how can i help how can i do this so what that does is again it builds a, a better connection and that is better for everybody around and the same goes for men who are working with females who are working with women that okay if you see this kind of um, if you see a difference in approach to a man stand that it's a difference of the ability and perspective and not necessarily you know anything that has to do with being feminine or masculine and if you have a problem around it then there is something you have to pay attention to where is this coming from is this coming from a place of feeling threatened is it coming from a place of feeling less like a man if that's the case then i really need to do something i really need to work on myself and third actively seek out platforms that talk about these things uh you know read on blogs that talk about these things and one that i can easily suggest is like you know a, a call to men uh it's it's a blog and a platform by tony porter in america and the way he dismantles what he calls is the man box <laughs> so he's done a great video on what is the man box the man box is made up of aggression of violence of abuse and he goes to the um you know the depth of where it comes from and what it does to women and children because that kind of violence and aggression and all of it is projected on those who are weaker than you and that around you are women and children so in order to step out of that man box it takes a lot of honesty a lot of courage so that these are communities like that like a call to men and there are also communities in india like that who are doing amazing work like the equal community foundation where they go out in communities and villages and you know bastis and they teach men women and boys to be more equitable because where girls tell boys that you know we don't like it when you stare and when you make jokes why do you do it and when you ask them why they're like it's because everybody does it i mean you know <laughs> so if you in a, any pattern of any sort pay attention to that pattern and at least ask yourself why am i doing what i'm doing you know and what is the thing that i'm getting getting out of it and if there is especially for boys you know things that they um take on as a regular diet like video games and pornography and stuff pay attention to what messaging you're receiving from that Absolutely. that women are objects that have to be devoured or taken care you know taken control of or that the pleasure is yours to give or the pain is yours to give and what does that do to you because again if you're used to that kind of powerful role in the bedroom are you then receptive in the bedroom to 
better. Are you then, you know, uh, gentle enough or uh, willing enough or brave enough to let go of a sense of power and to experience that, that intimacy at every level? Because I don't see that happening a lot. Because, you know, men, they tend to go into this dominating role where, you know, uh, there's something, there's something, you know, I mean, they, they forget what it is to be gentle and, and, you know, loving and all of it. And also how it works, it works very interestingly where you see these very, very macho men who then want to be dominated in the bedroom. And where does that come from? Because there's an aspect of yourself that you're missing out in real life, which is a balance of domination and submission. It's balance. It is it is a state which is outside of these two categories where you don't feel shame in either being the upper or the lower, you know, to use that kind of language, yeah. where you feel no shame in giving and receiving, where you feel no shame in asking for things or saying that this doesn't work for me. And therefore you are more balanced everywhere in your sexuality, in your relationships, in your work. So I feel like, you know, these are the three things that everybody can do irrespective of whether they're women. Seek out platforms which, which talk about these things openly with vulnerability and, and read about people who've been able to break those stereotypes and live more fully. And I see a lot of that happening now and it makes me very hopeful, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and, for, and for folks who are dads and, and moms, pay attention to the kind of messaging that you're giving to your kids and the kind of uh, media or, or, you know, toys or stuff you're surrounding them with, because that is also something that they're being, you know, that they're absorbing at a very, at, at every level. And how you are in front of them as men and women, as a husband, wife, as, as parents, is also what they're absorbing. They're watching you all the time. Oh, yes. Oh, and yes. You, oh, yes. And if you put each other down in front of them, if they see a dad putting a mom down, if they see a mom nagging a dad, those are the patterns that they're going to absorb. That, you know, what, you know, moms nag and wives nag and, you know, husbands, they put down wives or, you know, are vicious or whatever, or controlling. And women are controlling in other ways. You know, they can be very abusive emotionally because they don't get space physically, so they use emotional manipulation. And that is also a fact. That is also something that women need to recognize. But how and when and why do you give into these patterns, you know? And if that is doing you any good, if you're happy, if that makes you happy, if that <laughs> makes you fulfilled, I don't think it does. So, yeah. Wow, Rima, I mean, I love the fluidity with which you express such big ideas, you know. I, I Thank you so much. More than anything, I think it gives me courage to know that, you know, in the work that you are doing so actively in India, that, uh, you know, uh, well, my Indian brothers and sisters are in good hands so I take a lot of uh, I would certainly like more clients is what I'd say <laughs> yeah. no but also more importantly I think that these uh, conversations take a heck lot of yeah. courage uh, I am very well aware of uh, you know the the stereotypes and the bullying and the oh, trolling yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm quite aware of uh, you know what it takes to to be you and to do the work you do. So I applaud you very much. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All the men and women who've watched or listened to the podcast today, I really do hope that we can stop uh, looking at our lives as, uh, you know, very demarcated. Men are from Mars and women are from Venus and we can have more 
authentic conversations about who we are as human beings and hopefully yes. that takes a small step towards living a more enriched life because uh, you know time's short but guess what we've we've got the right advice and uh, the right conversation <laughs> can happen so thank you so yeah, much Uma. thank you so much thank you so much thank you so much for uh, inviting me here sne i'm so kicked about this this is uh, i'm so just really so kicked that there was a space where i could say all of these things and i hope they received well and even if they not not well i hope so <laughs> all right, we'll talk right. About, even if no one's listening we're going to talk about it. yeah i'm yeah i'm just going to do my thing you know? <laughs> so uh, wish you all the best for the season loved it thank you so much neha and a big kudos to you for doing what you're doing and creating the space for people who don't fit in anywhere easily to feel welcome and to feel like you know uh, this is an oh, this is a very safe space for me to say what i want to say and i'm sure you've done that and i've seen the, the kind of work that you've done and i really 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 thank you so much i appreciate it all of that but yeah really grateful that this happened thank you